Fresh Faith. We are so glad that you have decided to join us. I'm Andrea. And I'm Aaron. And we are starting a new series called Screw Ups. I can relate. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no, you can't relate. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And apparently all of y'all can too. Right? So this I think is we exciting. All can. Yeah. We're going to take a look at some people in the Bible that you might think, wow, those people are awesome. They did incredible things but they also really screwed up. Aren't you glad that God chooses to use screw-ups? Yes, because I screw up. Yeah, we all do. You ready? I think we should dive in. I'm ready. Let's go. Hey, what's up? I am so excited about session three of screw-ups. It's gonna be so great. We're gonna talk about this guy right now named Moses. Now, I know, you know who Moses is, and even if you've never read the Bible before, you've heard about Moses. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and I'm going to tell you how God used him and how he royally screwed up, and God still used him. I think that gives me hope and you hope. You ready? Moses was born during a time that all baby Jewish boys under the age of two were being killed. See, they were under Egyptian rule, and the Egyptians were afraid that the Jewish people would rise up and, and, and fight against them and overthrow the kingdom that they had set up. So Pharaoh, who was the leader of the Egyptians, what he did was he sent out a decree that all baby Jewish boys should be killed. Well, Moses was born during that time. So his mother, what she did is, is she made this little basket and she put Moses in the basket and she covered him up and hid him in the bulrushes down by the river. Well, guess who happened to find baby Moses? Pharaoh's daughter found baby Moses. Now, you would think that Pharaoh's daughter would have Moses killed because he was a baby Jewish boy. But instead, in a turn of events, Pharaoh's daughter actually took Moses in as her own child and adopted him. Can you imagine the very person who is trying to kill baby boys is your dad. And all of a sudden you are scared that when you bring this child home, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? Well, Pharaoh loved the boy. And, and, and as we know, his daughter raised Moses as her own child. So Moses had the best education. Moses was raised in the palace. Moses knew also who he was. He knew he was not Egyptian, although he learned like an Egyptian, and although he was raised like an Egyptian and raised in royalty, he knew that he was Jewish. He knew where his heritage came from. And so he, he was what they call a Hebrew child. Well, well, Moses, when he grew up, one day in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 11, it says that Moses, when he was grown, went out and saw an Egyptian slave master beating one of his own people, the Hebrew people. He looked around to make sure no one was watching and he killed the Egyptian who was beating the Hebrew person. And then he hid the body in the sand so no one would find him. Moses was a murderer at that point. Now, it might be full of justice. It might not be full of justice. That's just how the story goes. Yet, Moses still murdered this man and hid the body. Now, in a turn of events, 
he thought it would gain him some exposure with the Hebrew people, his own people. But instead, the next day, he was outside and some Hebrew people were talking and he asked them to do something and they confronted him and said, what, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And Moses was scared because Pharaoh found out and Pharaoh was not pleased. So Moses ran away from Pharaoh for 40 years in the desert. And maybe that's something similar to your life. I know it's actually probably nothing like your life, but maybe what I mean is something happened in your life because you did something wrong or you royally screwed up. And so you ran from it. And maybe you've been running now for what seems like 40 years. And, and, and really you're running out of fear and you think you're running out of where God's called you to and really, this was a time of preparation for Moses. God prepared him to become who he needed him to be in order for God to use him to lead the Hebrew people out of captivity. And he did. Moses went on to do some incredible things. Moses went on to split the Red Sea one time. He walks up. He leads the people out of out of the Egyptian bondage, he steps up to an ocean that's in front of them, this sea that's in front of them, being chased by the Egyptian chariots, and they're going to kill the people. And Moses stretches out a rod and splits the Red Sea. The Red Sea splits in half through the power of God, and the people crossed on dry land. In fact, they have found chariot wheels in the bottom of the Red Sea from this time that kind of points to this story being factual where once the people crossed the the waters came back down and fell on the on the on the Egyptian soldiers that were chasing them they studied naturally how does this type of thing take place is it a miracle is it a phenomenon and there is actually this really strong wind that comes from the east that can blow in a certain direction and cause the waters to almost part and they've seen it happen it's crazy but knowing that he was a part of that, knowing that he also was God's chosen leader for his people during that time, Moses did some incredible things. He eventually led the people to, but not into, the promised land because he screwed up again. Moses was a big screw up, but God used him. God used Moses to lead his people out from bondage so that they could be a people group that would be set up with kingdoms and, 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 with, and, and a nation. And they could set up to become a people, a national people, that his son Jesus would be born in and through. He used Moses, the screw-up, Moses, the murderer, Moses, the disobedient servant, even after he was walking in God's call, to continue to have purpose on mission for God in the world he lived in, influencing people. And God wants to do the same for you and for me. He wants to use our lives, even through our mess-ups. In fact, were it not for Moses' mess-up, now it's not a good thing that he murdered somebody, but God can take even your bad mess-ups, and once you give them to him, he takes them and turns them to become something that can be used for his purpose later on. See, Moses, if it were never for his screw-up, he never would have ran away from Pharaoh and ran to the desert where he learned how to communicate with God, where he learned and was prepared out in the desert in order to, to, to become a leader. He worked on himself out there. He built a life 
out there and God used it as a preparation for him to then go in and begin ministry. What's interesting about that is before Jesus started his ministry, where did Jesus go? He went to the desert in preparation. And I think maybe in your life, when you run out of a season of a screw up or a moment of a screw up, it feels like where you're at next can be desolate and can be like a desert emotionally, spiritually, mentally, even physically in your life. Maybe the relationships around you are drying up because of your screw up. Maybe your influence is drying up because of your screw up. Maybe it's hot and desert-like and everything is lacking and you're not getting hydrated with the goodness of life because of your screw up. But in those desolate moments, that is when God is going to step in and use that time as preparation for you to go and fulfill the purpose that he has for you. Were it not for your screw up, you would never find yourself in a place to where you are able to be prepared and open for God to be able to do certain work he needs to do through you when you're no longer full of you because you no longer have the pride that you once had that keeps God away. Sometimes screw-ups make us broken and it's a pliable place for us to be used by the hand of God and prepared for what's next in our life. See, you would never know God's mercy if you'd never messed up. And you think it catches God by surprise that you were going to mess up? It doesn't. God did not make us perfect. He made us imperfect to, for progress for his purpose in our lives. And so that's my challenge to you today. Wherever you find yourself in your screw-up, wherever you find yourself in that place that's right after your screw-up, that desolate place, allow yourself to be there. Just be there. Be pliable there. Allow God to speak into your soul and mold you there. And, and, and allow God to use that time of preparation where everybody around you is there to prepare you and everything around you is just preparation for what God's going to do next. You don't have the power to thwart God's purpose for your life because you messed up. He's already covered that mess up and he's going to repurpose it for his purpose for your future. Hey, stop right there. Hit the share button. Share this with your friends. Share it with your family. Send it to someone that needs this word today. Don't let this message stop with you, but let it go through you to transform the world around you. Thanks. Hey, what's up? Welcome to session four of Screw Ups. Today we're talking about a big screw up. No, it's not you. It's Jonah. We're talking about Jonah. He is an incredible person in the Bible of what not to do. And so we're going to learn a little bit about his life. Now, I know it might sketch you out a little bit when you like hear this story or whatnot, because a lot of people really question the validity of the story. Is it factual? Did the story of Jonah really even happen? Is it possible? And let me go ahead and tell you the story and you figure out and decide for yourself. So there was this guy named Jonah and God told Jonah one day, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh where the people are so bad and they're not living the right way. And I want you to preach to them, change your wicked ways, or God will destroy Nineveh. Well, Jonah did the opposite. He got on a boat and went to this place headed for Tarshish. Tarshish. He went the opposite direction than what God told him to go. Number one. Then... As he's out there on this boat heading to Tarshish, there was a big violent storm that came out. 
and it was tossing the boat and they were afraid that, that, the, that they were all going to die. And the sailors said, somebody has done something terribly wrong and we're going to cast lots, which is like basically we're going to draw straws, if you will. And whoever gets the short one, that's the person that we believe God is saying to us, hey, that person sinned and that's why this is happening. They were very superstitious. So it landed on Jonah. And sure enough, Jonah was like, yes, I'm running the opposite direction from my God and where he told me to go. And that's why all this is happening. Just throw me overboard. So they did. Be careful what you wish for and what you ask for because it just might happen. They threw Jonah overboard and immediately the storm stopped. What well, Jonah as if that weren't enough, gets swallowed by a big old fish. Three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Jonah prays, finally, that fish spits Jonah up out on the shore. And guess where that fish spit Jonah out? Yep, Nineveh. So it was there that Jonah tells the message that God told him to tell. And the people of Nineveh actually listen, repent, turn, of their, turn around from their wicked ways, and God spares Nineveh. In the meantime, Jonah is having a pity party because he wanted them to get destroyed. Now, that's terrible. And Jonah sits up having a pity party, and God teaches him a lesson. That's really the story. And you're like, okay, well, like, how big of a screw-up really was Jonah if we're talking about it in screw-ups, because it doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But I'm not buying into the whole, he lived in the belly of a fish for three days. I mean, come on, is that even possible? Well, it, 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 it can be possible, but I don't think the validity of the story actually matters. I think what matters is what we can learn from it. I think there's principles in there that can apply to our lives and apply to your life as well. See. Jonah screwed up by doing the exact opposite thing that God asked him to do. See, you and I, we know who we should be. We may not know the big thing and purpose of our lives. Uh, maybe we feel called to a certain field or, or to a certain vocation. But, but there is something that all of us are called to, and that's kindness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are things we are all called to do and all called to be. But how many times in your life and how many times in my life do we run in the exact opposite direction? What is your Tarshish? Like when Jonah went the opposite way, I think mine is pride and selfishness. Maybe yours is unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness and cynicism. Whoo! Am I stepping on your toes a little bit? I'm stepping on mine. I think that sometimes it's more than just doing the opposite of what God says to do. I feel like we over-spiritualize that, and I feel like it's a lot more practical than that. How many times do we live in the opposite direction of who we know we should be? How many times do we write back on Facebook and we just have to answer that comment back because we know and assume what that person meant by what they said, and we, 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 we fight back and strike back with bitterness, and we answer back out of selfishness. And we want to make sure that they know what we think and we share our opinions when really we know we're supposed to respond first out of love, with kindness, and, and, and with peace. See, we know who we are called to be 
and what good humanity looks like, but we often run in the very opposite direction. But see, and oftentimes when we do that, it creates storms in our lives that we caused. See, when we don't act in kindness and we don't act in love and patience and joy and peace and those, those fruits of the Spirit, the Bible calls them, that, that, that I just mentioned, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we don't live in the direction of those, when our lives go in the exact opposite direction, it causes chaos and things that otherwise would not be happening in our lives that, are, that, that seem to be bad if we would live our lives in the direction of those things we know we are already called to. See, when we act in unkindness and unforgiveness, the storms it creates are not just outside of our lives with relationships, but they also create turmoil inside. And maybe the anxiety that you are experiencing, the stress that you're experiencing every single day is because you have turned and run in the exact opposite direction of the life God has called you to live of love and joy and peace, etc. And maybe you caused that. And maybe when you, like Jonah, can say, hey, my bad, my bad, I'm the cause of this. Forgive me, God. I want to live in the way that I know I'm called to live. And when you turn that around, sometimes things go from bad to worse. As if the storm's not enough and now you are being saved from the storm or, or you thought the storm was going to kill you, you get thrown overboard. The storm stops and you get swallowed by a fish, right? Things often go worse before they ever get better. But what we don't often realize is the very things that we think are terrible, God is using as a vehicle to get us to where we should have been going all along. The hardship that we endured that got worse before it got better might be the very vehicle that God is using to transport us from unkindness to kindness, from pride to humility, from bitterness to peace, and from selfishness to selflessness. See, oftentimes God doesn't necessarily cause the things that happen in our lives. We often are the cause of most of the things that happens in our lives. Not all, but most. But God can use it as a vehicle to get us to where we should have been going all along. Aren't you glad that God can take something that is meant for evil and turn it for good in your life? And it doesn't matter how bad your screw up was. And it doesn't matter how far in the opposite direction you run and you live. That God can always catch it and turn it around and make it a vehicle to get you to where you should have been all along. To make a difference. Because Jonah was used by God to go and declare to a people who were living their lives really in the same way Jonah was. Opposite of where God had called them to live. Opposite of kindness. Opposite of peace. Opposite of humility. Opposite of gentleness and self-control. And all of a sudden, God used Jonah to do that and to change them and speak into their lives in order to change the world around him. Something I find interesting about Jonah is his attitude toward them at the end where he really wanted them to be destroyed. See, What's interesting about that to me, and maybe this will give you some hope. It gives me a whole lot of hope. Jonah wasn't a one-time screw-up. Jonah wasn't a two-time screw-up. Jonah was a constant screw-up. Jonah actually was in the middle of disobedience when God used him. And that gives me a lot of hope because God doesn't need you to get it right for him to use you. God doesn't need for you to be perfect for you to have purpose. Woo, 
I'm preaching good. You should be saying amen to me. I hear you. Let's keep going. God doesn't need you to be perfect in order to have purpose. I'm going to say it one more time. God doesn't need you to be perfect for you to live in the purpose that he's called you to live. All you have to do, even in your disobedience, God can use it, is surrender to a God knowing that he is greater. Look around for the opportunity that God has placed you in. Even in your disobedience, God's going to get through you what he needs to get through to you. That's not an invitation to be disobedient. That's an invitation for you to understand just how big God's plan and purpose is for your life, that you are not powerful enough to screw it up, that even in your screw-ups, God can turn it for good. And it's so, I'm so thankful for that because there have been times in my life, and I know there's been times in yours, where it seems like the broken pieces of our lives are going to be the end of us. But what we don't realize is it takes the broken pieces that God puts the pieces back together to create a beautiful mosaic that is worth far more than it was when it was not a mosaic. When it far more, worth far more now that it's been put back together by the master designer than it was when it was seemingly perfect. See, God takes the mess and makes it a masterpiece. And he wants to take the mess ups in your life and use them to make the biggest difference in the world, not just yours, but all those around you. See, your life has a greater purpose than what you're living in today. The purpose of tomorrow and today is what makes tomorrow have value. Because what you live today and how you live today in the direction of your life, of what it's going today, the choices we make today are going to create the reality of tomorrow. The choices you make today will create the reality you experience tomorrow. The screw-ups, however, that you make today can always have a greater, greater purpose in tomorrow's reality when God is in it. See, this is an invitation for you and for me. It's not just about God having his way and, and, and making your life count for something greater. This is more than that. This is an invitation for you to interject and to accept God into your life as a way of living, as a way to look out. And when you see the sun and you see the ocean and you see the mountains and you see the valleys and you see the rain or you see the snow or you see people and you see things that God created, it's, it's a moment for you to experience who he is through his design in a way for you to connect with him and make him a part of every moment of your day. And that changes things. It changes who you are because now you live in gratitude. It changes who you are because now you can't help but live in love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control because you're interjecting God into who you are. And when God is a part of your life and he becomes the very air that you breathe and the source of your existence, when he is in everything and you can see him in everything and in everyone, even the people you don't like, them too. When you can see God in and through everything and you allow yourself to experience who he is through all of it, all of a sudden your screw-ups now have a better purpose. Your life has a better meaning. You now have a purpose greater than yourself. And it doesn't just change your life. It does change your life. But it transforms the world around you and everyone around you is better because of your existence and because of God's existence through you. So what about you today? All you have to do is it start now. Look around. Say, God, I want to see you 
in nature. I want to see you in other people. I want to see you through my own life. I want to take you in and breathe you out to the world around me. And today, all you need to do, you can start it by having a conversation. God, I give you my life. God, I give you my life. I hope that'll be your prayer. And I want to hear how this changes your life day in and day out. I'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at wave at freshfaith.xyz. Wave at freshfaith.xyz. We want to hear from you. God bless you. Hey guys, we want to invite you to partner with us to help take the message further. You can do that through generosity. And we have noticed in our lives that through generosity, we are changed, but then through us and our generosity, the world is changed. Yeah, absolutely. When you partner with us in generosity, you're helping us to be able to provide this content, to be able to take the message God has put in our hearts that hopefully is changing your life into the hearts and lives of other people. And our ministry here at Fresh Faith is solely funded and operational because of your generosity. Yeah, we are 100% dependent upon you. And that means that everything that happens here is because of you and your support. So thank you. And what an amazing, amazing thing, ministry, opportunity to be part of. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's unprecedented and it's so forward and progressive. We're so proud of what you're enabling us to do, not just in your life, but in the lives of those all around the world. So there are a couple ways you can partner with us. You can text any dollar amount to 84321, where you can choose Fresh Faith as your ministry that you want to give to. You can set that up one time, or to make it easy, they can even do it recurring. Recurring. And that's awesome. And we appreciate anything, whether it's small, whether it's large. Hey, your part is integral in making this message go really far. Another way that you can be generous is by liking this on whatever um, channel you are watching or listening. So you can like and subscribe, you can share so that other people around yep. you um, can see it on your social, but also share through your words and through your lifestyle. So the people around you can say, hey, what's going on? You're so different. And it's because you are part of Fresh Faith. Yeah, it's so cool to me that generosity is so much more than finances. In fact, I think it's almost just as valuable, if not more valuable, for us to be able to simply share something on social media, share something, tell someone else about it. But when we allow it to live through us, it literally changes the world. Absolutely. I'm just so excited about it. Me too. So thank you for your generosity and thank you for partnering with us here at Fresh Faith. Thank you.